The Lord be with you. And also with you. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sin. God's mercy endures forever. Friends, near and far, we welcome you to this Sunday service of ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. The liturgy, homily, and music are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio audience through WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe, live at WBUR.org. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your decisions about forms of ministry, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. During Lent 2010, we are happily hosting a series of sermons on the theme of atonement offered by our Boston University chaplains. These messages will be recapitulated during the Good Friday service, a 50-year tradition here on April 2nd. Especially today, we welcome our partner choir in Coro Novo under the direction of Therese Provenzano. As we are able, let us stand in the praise of God for the singing of our first hymn. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 1 to 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. 
and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and they were struck down in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples for us, so that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not become idolaters as some of them did. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. And do not complain as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. These things happened to them to serve as an example. And they were written down to instruct us on whom the ends of the ages have come. So, if you think that you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to every one. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but with the testing he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. The word of the Lord. together verses from Psalm 63 with the antiphon. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, 
as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips when I think of you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. Now, beloved, rise up, in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Glory, Glory to you, Lord. Lord. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. <clears throat> then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I found none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord my Christ. We are approaching atonement. And in the journey of faith, which is the journey of Lent and our approach to atonement, tone matters. We want to keep the right tone as we approach atonement. During the season of preparation, we pass through an arid land. Our experience is that women and men find their way to church not only and not mainly following events and moments of celebration, thanksgiving, and joy, but also and more so in a season of arid emptiness or as the psalm, the 63rd psalm, says, a dry and weary land in which there is no water. 
an experience of longing, of emptiness, of asedia, can bring one, perhaps you, to turn the dial in a certain direction come Sunday or to locate oneself that exceptional social experience of bringing oneself to worship. The 63rd Psalm gives us some clues about travel in an arid land. You recognize it puts a little 4-4 rhythm into our speech, our prayerful speech to God. Oh, the celebration is clear. God is righteous and good, true, beautiful. God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. But there's a directness in the speech. It's not discourse about, it is a hymn lifted to the divine. Likewise, we recognize that in this psalm, for all the brevity of its eight verses, a longing for meaning. Now from the time of Gunkel, now there's an appropriate name for an Old Testament scholar, the verses have been rearranged and rearranged. Now we see them in their canonical order. Sometimes they are understood as one, two, eight, six, seven, five, four. They come to us with a longing for what lasts, matters, and counts. Some years ago, we engaged a meeting of those working in a hospital, and there was the orthopod, and there was the nurse, and there was the pediatrician, and someone asked the chaplain, what do you bring here? And she said, meaning. There is a longing in a dry and arid land for what lasts, matters, counts. So too, the 63rd Psalm is physical. It's a clue. Our praise of God is physical. Our life is physical. And this Psalm is imbued with a sense of touch, of tongue, of mouth, of voice, of presence. Praise is a physical act. So sings the hymnist. You know, we rightly celebrate the history of our great land some 250 years or so. We happily celebrate the history of our university some 170 years or so. But here, even and perhaps especially on a spring break Sunday, we listen in the presence of texts that are thousands of years old. 2,000 in the case of Luke 13, perhaps 3,000 years old in the case of the 63rd Psalm. We approach the atonement through a dry and weary land in which it feels as if there is no water. If your approach to faith this year is so, take heart. These words are meant for you. We come past a thicket, you could almost think of them as forms of cactus, cacti, a thicket of repentance. Luke chapter 13, one of those many chapters that are unique to the third gospel from Luke 9 to Luke 18, is all finally about Repentance. Oh, we remind our seminary students that every passage in the Gospels is like a choir singing. There's a soprano, alto, tenor, bass voice, the soprano of the Jesus of history, the alto, the most important line of the primitive church beneath the text, the tenor of the writer, the redactor in this case, Luke, and the basso profundo, the continuing interpretation of the passage beginning in the Gospels and the New Testament itself and continuing all the way to March 7th, 2010. The first two voices are quite mute in the first half of our reading, but we recognize 
the experiences here named. They could have been taken from the front page of the newspaper. Those whom Pilate took and mixed their blood with their sacrifices, it's an experience of political terror. And that tower, how I wish it had been mentioned somewhere else in the Bible, in the New Testament, or the record of history, but all we have is here. Those 18 who died in a collapse, a natural calamity. The tower of Siloam. And we know about calamity and collapse from Chile to Haiti, to the economy, to the sense sometimes that things are just a little more fragile than they were a year or three ago. Luke, Luke to his preaching purpose, appends to these remembered in stylized memory teachings a word on repentance. Clearly, he says, if we take nothing else from the teaching, these who tragically perished were no better nor any worse than any of the rest. But the hour is coming and now is for a metanoia, a turning, perhaps a gradual turning, but a turning toward what my friend on the radio congregation audience calls a reawakening of the Christian faith, a time of turn or return given to us in the speaking and hearing of the gospel. Did you notice that the second half of the passage from Luke attaches to this otherwise direct, challenging message on repentance a moment of patience? We are approaching atonement through an arid land and past the cacti of repentance, but we may take heart that at least somewhere toward the end of the first century, at least under the pen of St. Luke, there was a remembrance that sometimes a little patience is in order. Perhaps you, as I do, spend a great deal of time now facing a computer screen. There are so many gifts of the new technology. Sometimes I listen to our actual conversation, though, and I wonder whether our way of listening and speaking is starting to resemble the medium that is the message around us. By, the, by that I mean, pa, 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 pa. Here Luke counsels a little patience, hupomone, that long suffering that is the gift of the Spirit. Across the university, we had a wonderful lecture by a public theologian a month ago who honored the speech of the gospel and especially of the history of this fine university. He said also, I, I long for, though, those places in culture that are receptive, that are open, where there is waiting, where there is listening, where there is patience. Let's give it another year and see how it goes. <coughs> patience is a virtue. So Luke, in the 13th chapter, will remind us still. Of course, we teach our students here in the School of Theology that a sermon is based on 25 pastoral visits the week before, 25 individual conversations in hospital, at the dining room table, across the telephone. There is a receptivity there, thereby a listening that is so healing. We are approaching the atonement in the gift of patience past the challenge of repentance across a dry and weary land, and we come, as the hymn will say, and as our 
Corinthian epistle notices upon, we come upon a rock. In the history of Christian teaching, there are many deliberations and representations of the atonement. Perhaps we could say at the outset, all of them still carry some value, some valence, some lasting meaning. But you know, I keep in my notes from some years ago the few sentences from my predecessor in teaching New Testament in another city, Paul Hammer, who carefully wrote his own understanding of the rock, the cross, the atonement, saying, while God does not cause distress and tragic loss, in the crucifixion, in the atonement, we have a reminder that God can use even such tragedy to remind us that we are not ever separated in height, depth, in all creation from the love of God. That is, as people of faith and here and listening as Christian women and men, we are more Christian due to the cross than we are to the resurrection. The resurrection follows but does not replace the cross. The sign of God's lasting love in and through all that has the last word. So you will, you will mark in your journal today. I'm confident you will. You will remember in that aridity, in that turning, in that patience. You will recall that it is not the passion of Christ that defines the person of Christ. It is the person of Christ who defines the passion. You will remember that it is not suffering that bears meaning. It is meaning a sense of meaning that bears up and bears with suffering, even lasting suffering. You will remember that it is not the cross that carries the love. It is love that carries the cross. And you will remember that it is not crucifixion that encompasses salvation. But it is lasting divine health, salvus, salvation that encompasses in the end even the deepest hurt. That is, you will remember that it is not the 40 days of Lent, excepting the Sundays. Why are Sundays not counted? To remind us that it's not Lent that long paragraph with all of its sentences and semicolons and subordinate clauses that defines the lasting day, but the other way around. It is the Lord's Day, and ultimately that day, two days after Good Friday, which defines all that comes before, including the walk through a dry and weary land in which there is no water. A slender distinction on that thread hangs your gospel. Ye that do truly and earnestly repent of your sin and are in love and charity with your neighbor and intend to lead a new life following the commandment of God and walking in God's holy ways, draw near in faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort. Amen.
Beloved, in the embrace of the gospel, we welcome you this day, those listening and those present. We draw your attention to the notices both on our website and printed here in the bulletin before you. Especially, we remember in thought and prayer our faculty, staff, and administration and students who are on spring break today, some of them traveling to points upon the globe for ministry, mission, and service. Likewise, we invite those who are here today to join us if you are able for luncheon following service and also for our second Marsh Forum of 2010 on new books. We are grateful for those present as our choristers today, as mentioned, and we note that the sacrament of Holy Communion, the Eucharist today, is open to all of whatever background, age, or station. For those listening from afar in the season of Lent, should you want communion delivered and presented and celebrated in your home, we are poised and ready to respond to the extent that we can, and you may so identify by calling our church office and speaking with Elizabeth Fomby. With these thoughts and concerns before us, let us continue to worship together by presenting our tithes and our offerings.
Let us pray. You who give us every good and perfect thing, we offer back to you these our gifts, symbols of our time, resources, life energy, and devotion. Bless and multiply them, we pray, that they may continue your work of love and justice in the world. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. May we personally extend signs of peace one to another. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. You brought all things into being and called them good. From the dust of the earth you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, you bore up the ark on the waters, saved Noah and his family, and made covenant with every living creature on earth. When you led your people to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, you gave us your commandments and made us your covenant people. When your people forsook your covenant, your prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and on your holy mountain he heard your still, small voice. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. When you gave him to save us from our sin, your Spirit led him into the wilderness, where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his ministry. When he suffered and died on a cross for our sin, you raised him to life, presented him alive to the apostles during 40 days, and exalted him at your right hand. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. Now, when we, your people, prepare for the yearly feast of Easter, you lead us to repentance for sin and the cleansing of our hearts, that during these 40 days of Lent we may be gifted and graced to reaffirm the covenant you made with us through Christ. 
On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was ended, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in your Holy Church all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us your peace. All is prepared. Come and receive.
Let us join together in our prayer of thanksgiving. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs> 